Our topic has been the sense of biblical worship. I want to read from Exodus 30 again, verses 34 through 38. And I don't know what it is about this text that it, every time I read it, it moves me and speaks to my heart. Exodus 30, look at verse 34 to 38. And the Lord said unto Moses, let me stop there for just a minute. Can you imagine that? Now we know from the scripture that God spoke to Moses like he never spoke to any other man. He spoke to him face to face. So the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices, stacte and anica, and galbanum, these sweet spices with pure frankincense. Of each there shall be a like weight, and thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of apothecary, tempered together. Pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small and put it before, put of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation where I will meet with thee. It shall be unto you most holy. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, you shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. And then verse 38. Whosoever shall make like unto that, to smell thereto, shall even be cut off from his people. I can't imagine, I can't imagine the aroma this perfume would give off. Jeremy asked me the other night, I said, what do, you, Dad, what do you think? You think if we try to mix it ourselves, we might get in trouble? I said, well, I don't know. I don't want to try it. <laughs> but remember who chose the ingredients here. It was God. And God said to Moses, I want you to take these ingredients. Make sure that equal amounts of these sweet spices along with some pure frankincense. And I want you to make a sweet perfume. 
and put it before the testimony in the tabernacle where the people meet. And God says, Moses, put it there because that's where I'm going to meet you at. And I can only guess, but I don't don't think I'm wrong. But I think whenever the priest entered the holy place, they could smell that aroma. And they knew they were approaching the presence of God. And God said to Moses, don't make any for yourself. God said to Jeremy, don't make any for yourself either, I guess. But it is a good question. But I can't imagine the aroma. But the important thing is, God told Moses, to you it's holy because it's for me. It is for me. And every time I read this text, I stand in awe of God. We're working our way through this. We looked at the materials in the incense. Stacte, Annika, Galbanum, frankincense. And then in verse 34 through 36, God tells Moses how to mix those spices. Again, equal parts. And make it a perfume. Now, by the way, and I'm thinking this is probably along with the pattern of the tabernacle. Moses didn't make everything in the tabernacle, and I don't think he made his perfume. God sent certain people with the knowledge to do the different things for the tabernacle. And my guess would be the perfume is the same. But God gives Moses specific instructions. And he says, take some of those spices and grind them or beat them very, very small. And put it before the testimony. And our key point tonight if we took look at the scent of biblical worship and the missing of the incense, God says, beat some of it very small, put it before the testament of the tabernacle, the congregation, where I will meet with you it shall be to you most holy. And what I see tonight in this text, if we're going to approach God 
we have to do it two ways. And verse 35 of Exodus 30 says, Tempered together, pure and holy. We have to approach God with holiness. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 66, verse 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now, I don't know about you, but when I go to God, I want Him to hear me. I want Him to know that I am in His presence. And without holiness, no man shall see the Father. God spoke through Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 59, verse 2. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. How many would agree that we serve an awesome God? An awesome, awesome God. God, a God with many attributes, but one of the attributes that makes him so awesome is his holiness. He is holy, holy, holy. And how many know that because holiness is a part of his natural state, He can't be anything else but holy. And that stands in contrast to our sinful nature. So holiness is a state of perfection. Being fully sanctified, fully set apart. So what does holy mean? The Pharisees and the scribes and even some of the Sadducees were hung up on what they should eat and what they should not eat. And there is no doubt that during the Old Testament economy there were dietary restrictions, things that were considered unclean. For God's people. But in one of his many teachings, Jesus told them, it's not what you bring into your body that defiles you. That's not it. It's not what you bring into your body, meaning what you eat, that makes you unrighteous. Jesus said it's what comes out of your mouth. Because that originates in the heart, in the inner man. And what you speak reveals your heart. I'm always amazed when I come to the story of Peter. In the book of Acts, Peter is staying at a tanner's house there in Joppa. And 
the ladies are fixing lunch. They're frying chicken. And Peter goes up on a rooftop. They relaxed up kind of like a patio on that day and time. And he falls asleep. And he sees this sheet come down from heaven with all kinds, all manner of animals. And he's already hungry. And God said, Peter, arise and eat. Three times God did that. And Peter objected, Lord, I, I've never done that. I'm only, that's unclean. And God said, Peter, don't you ever call unclean something I made. So it's not what goes in, it's what comes out. So when we speak about holiness today, striving for holiness, it, it, it means that we are having a relation with God that is defined by obedience. Obedient to His Word and to His will. And we are gradually being shaped to have His character. 1 Thessalonians 4, look at verse 7. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. So to be holy means that we have been sanctified, separated to God. But it also means that we are distinct from everything common because of what God has done in our lives. But we need to remember that only God is distinct and different from everything and anyone else. He is holy, holy, holy. And holiness is his very nature. He has to be holy. So how can you and I be holy? If you're like me and you take an honest evaluation at yourself, of yourself, often I... I wonder how in the world could I ever be sanctified? How in the world can I be separated unto God from everything common? How can I be different? How can I be holy as God is holy? And that's a command in Leviticus, and Peter repeats it later on. And we've been preaching this in Sunday morning as well. The moment we were saved... We receive the life of God in our spirit. Jesus moved in through the Holy Spirit. And the moment we're saved, the process of God's full salvation began in our whole being. And part of that process is God making us holy. And as I mentioned this morning, he's still working on me. In his letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul writes and tells us how God does this. 
Paul said, according as he, God, has chosen us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So how does he make us holy? How does God do this? He makes us holy by imparting himself, the Holy One, into our being. And he does that, that our whole being might be permeated and saturated with the holy nature of God. God lives in us. Peter wrote in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, Whereby are given us unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Notice this. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world through lust. Peter is writing to Christians, mainly Jews, who because of persecution throughout the years has been dispersed. And some of them are wondering, how can we do it? And Peter said, remind them that God has given them great, precious promises. How many know that God gives us great and precious promises? It's for us today as well. And Peter says, God did that, that by these promises... We can be partakers of his divine nature. Now I want to remind you folks, it doesn't always matter how you feel, but it does matter what you know. And the Bible says we have this great pro- these promises that we might be partakers of his divine holy nature. So for those of us who are saved, we are God's chosen ones. Chosen to be holy is to partake of God's divine nature and have our whole being saturated with God himself. So we don't become holy by turning over a new leaf. We don't become holy by reforming ourselves. But we become holy because God has imparted himself into us. Through the Holy Spirit of God. From the moment we are saved, God wants to impart himself more and more until our lives are saturated with his holy nature. That's what God wants us to be. It doesn't happen overnight. It does take time, and it happens a little by little. But my friend, if you're walking with Christ, God is working on making you holy more and more each and every day. God should be holy. Why? Because he is holy. Our God is holy.
But the key is, we have to allow God to do that. Allow Him to impart more of His holy nature into our being. And if we allow that to happen, to be permanent that way, we will be holy and it will affect the way we live. It will change the way we live. But as children of God, we have to learn how in the world can we cooperate with God to be made holy. How can I cooperate with God? Well, number one, we have to follow Christ. We've got to imitate the one who lives in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Christ became sanctification to us from God. Now I read, and I'm taking their, their word for it, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I read that in the Greek language that word sanctify, uh, the Greek word for it is simply the verb form of the word holy. The verb form of the word holy. And so the moment we trusted Christ as our Savior, the moment we believed in Christ, He came into us to be our life. We now live in Christ. And He came and He brought the holy nature of God into us to sanctify us, to set us apart, that is to make us holy unto God. And that perfume that God told Moses to have mixed up it was just some ingredients, but my friend, when it was put before God, it was holy. It was holy. I am so thankful that through the years, God has placed people in my life that have been mentors to me. Helped me along with my walk with God to encourage me. And one of those mentors that I had early on as a Christian was Brother Pierce Fields. And he was quite a bit my senior, quite a few years older than I was. And But he, for whatever reason, he kind of took me under his wing. And I heard him more than one time that once he got saved, God changed his want to. And I remember battling with that issue before I got saved. Because I knew there's a lot of things I wanted to. I wanted to engage in this or engage in that, and I knew it wasn't pleasing to God. And I thought, how in the world if I get saved, how is that going to, what's going to happen? But what I didn't realize, and what Pierce Fields already knew, that once you're saved, God changes that want to. And I don't know how to explain that, but I do know this, that really explains my experience after I was saved. Something changed in my life. Now, it wasn't all instantaneous. It was a gradual process. Salvation is instantaneous. But that change began to take place. All of a sudden, I began to feel different about things. I began to look at things in a different way. 
I began to feel about things that I used to do before I was saved. And I thought, well, Lord, I, I don't really want to do that anymore. And then one day it dawned on me, my friend, my mentor, Pierce Field, was right. God changed my want to. And God is good at that. And I found out there came a time in my life when I didn't really want to engage in simple activities. And if I did, I felt so uncomfortable in that. You know why? Because God is working to make me holy. And one of the ways I cooperate with that is I imitate Him. I grew up in a large family. We had nine of us. And actually, it's almost like having two different families because over so many years, uh, the time uh, the older ones got married, there was still a group of brats at home. And they got by with murder. We wouldn't have got by with any of that. We'd have been buried a long time ago. But the bottom line is this. Every once in a while, I know you probably never did this if you had brothers or sisters. You try to uh, mimic them to aggravate them. And can, you can imagine, and Pam did too, the same situation. Her family was big. Can you imagine taking all them kids in the car for a trip? My dad said if you ever been in the car, to have all windows everywhere. That way everybody could sit by a window, right? But have you, do you remember the time... Mom, will you make her quit imitating me? Will you make them quit staring at me? And of course, if you're the one doing it, the more they ask, the more you imitate them. And it bothers them. But how many know that Jesus wants us to imitate him? He wants us to imitate him. So we cooperate by following Christ, the one who lives. And number two is, we cooperate by reading the Word of God. And I know I talk about it often, but my friend, I cannot, cannot overemphasize the importance of reading the Word of God. Reading the Word of God. John 17, verse 17. Jesus, Jesus is praying, and he says to God, he says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. Now remember, in the original language, the word for sanctify is a verb form of holy. Make them holy. Sanctify them through your truth. What is truth? Your word is truth. We're made pure through the word. The washing of the word. God's word is truth. And if we read the word of God, and we allow the Word of God to shine on our lives, and we do it consistently, we're going to find out that that will sanctify us, make us more holy before God. And as we look into the Word of God, and we read the Word of God, we realize what agrees with God's holy nature and what doesn't. We discover truths that we can't find anywhere else, and God begins to speak to our heart. And every time and any time we come to the Word of God with an open heart, I will guarantee you the Word of God will enlighten you and will teach you to be holy. The Bible is that for that. 
So the more we read the Word of God, <clears throat> the more we read the Word of God with prayer, the more we read with an open heart, the more we are going to be sanctified. So if I am going to cooperate with the Lord to be made holy, I need to spend time in the Word of God every day. And I don't know about you, but sometimes He shines a light in my life where I don't want to see that. But I'm discovering more and more. Whenever I read that Word of God and that light is shining on my life and God is speaking to my heart, that's not a time to resist. It's not a time to argue with God. It's not a time to neglect the shining God has given us, but it's a time that we need to agree with it and allow the Word of God to sanctify us, to make us more like Him. So we cooperate by following Christ, by reading the Word of God. And the third thing we do to cooperate with God is to cleanse ourselves from defilement. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Paul says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I'm afraid that a lot of folks in the church today have lost a healthy fear of God. And the Bible said we're to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of our flesh and spirit. And we do that so we can perfect holiness in our lives. And we do it because of a reverence, a holy fear of God. And I want you to realize tonight, folks, that all of us, all of us should have a healthy fear of God. And that includes a fear of offending the God who has done so much for us. He has done so much. He chose us and he saved us us. And when we have this healthy fear of God, it encourages us to cooperate with the Lord, to cleanse ourselves from defilement. God's Word shines a light on our lives, and we realize that whatever it is, is not pleasing to God, we get rid of it. We cleanse ourselves from defilement. So how do we do that? How do we do that? First of all, it means making right choices. It means we take certain actions. It means we do not go to places that are unclean in the eyes of God. It means that we stop participating in vile Sinful actions. And it means that we get rid of anything that we possess 
that offends the holy nature of God. And whenever we engage in defiling activity, whatever it is, whenever we possess unclean and simple things, those kind of things prevent us from becoming holy. And so God wants us to cleanse ourselves of all defilement because he does that so he can continue to impart himself to us Sanctifying our lives. I want to speak about the atmosphere of being holy for just a moment or two, what we got left tonight. And I confess it's easy to talk about ways to cooperate with God, imitate Him, read His Word. Cleanse myself from all defilement. But when we look at ourselves, at our condition, and we acknowledge our weakness, it might discourage us. But we have to remember, Christ lives in us. Now, by the way, if he doesn't, you're not saved. But if you're born again, Christ lives in us. And that tells me that he's near me every day. He's living in me. And he's available every day to be a part of my life and to be everything I need. Everything I need. And we have to remember, it is true, we cannot do this on our own. But thank God we can do it through the one who gives us the power to do it, and that's Jesus Christ. And that includes cooperating with him to be separated unto God, to be holy before God, to be saturated with him, that God can continue to make us more and more holy. So when we feel frustrated, my advice, and I think it's scriptural, is say, Lord, I can't do this. I need you. I need you to work in whatever area of my life it is that I'm struggling with. Ephesians 1.4. Paul said, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame, notice this, before him in love. Now, we mentioned that this morning. God loves you. He chose us. We were chosen in Christ. That was God's plan. And the love the Bible speaks about here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, is the love with which God loves us and the love that we love him. And it's in that kind of love that you and I become holy and without blame before him. Now let me just kind of camp here for just a moment.
<clears throat> I don't know about you, but I am glad that God loves me the way he does. Amen. Because if I were God, and I'm glad I am not, I would have given up on myself a long time ago. But because he loves me, he doesn't give up on me. He doesn't give up on me. So the love that God has for me and the love that I have now for God. And we need to remember the Bible is very clear. We love God. Why? Because he first loved us. And now his divine love inspires me to love him in return. And when I think about the condition and atmosphere of love, we are saturated with God to be holy without blemish, just as he is holy. God says he wants us to be holy. So God loves us. Us. He loves you. And he inspires us to love him back. I hope you've come to the point in your walk with God where it never becomes stale. Because I am convinced that every day we can experience His love fresh and anew every day. But not only that, not only can we experience His love fresh and anew, every day we can express our love to Him. Our love to Him. And when we live in that kind of atmosphere of love, cooperating with His light shining in our lives isn't just a dry, boring duty. We enjoy basking in that love. Now think about this. Let me ask you a question, okay? That's what Jeremy always says. Let me ask you a question. Do you love Jesus today? Have you told him lately? Well, preacher, he knows. Sure he knows. But how many know? Whenever I say, Lord Jesus, I love you. And when I say it from the heart, from the inner man, when I say, Lord Jesus, I love you, any resistance to his will will crumble. Because when you really love him, when I really love him, I want to please him. And the resistance that I had begins to fade away. He loves us. We know that. And he wants us to love him back. And when we say, Lord Jesus, I love you, we can't help but cooperate with him and let him impart more of himself into our nature. And that's how we become holy.
The second thing about that perfume God said to Moses in verse 36, chapter 30 of Exodus, Thou shalt beat some of it very small. Peter said this, 1 Peter 5, verse 5 and 6. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Moses, take these ingredients and beat them very, very small. I don't remember which theologian said this many years many years ago. But it's very doubtful that God can use a man or a woman until God breaks that man or a woman. Isn't it true? A man named Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus one day, and God came and he broke his spirit. From that point on, he was a useful vessel for God. And my friend, God has a way of humbling ourselves. And I want you to realize humility is not an easy virtue to exercise. And in spite of what people think, humility takes courage. It really, really does. Humility takes discipline. And it takes faith to put it into daily practice, humbling ourselves before God. But we can't negate how important a characteristic of humility is in our walk with God if we are going to develop as a follower, an imitator of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible inspires us and in fact gives us words that inspire us to keep on seeking humility. Being humble before the Lord. How many know that God desires a humble and contrite spirit? Now, humility is not just what you talk about. It's who you are. If we're going to approach God, we have to be holy. and We have to come humble before the Lord. We're going to pick it up there, Lord willing, next week. If Jesus comes, forget about it. Okay? We'll just be at his feet. But my friend, I'm glad that God made a way we can approach him. I'm glad that curtain was torn, aren't you? And through Christ Jesus, we now have access to God. We've got to come holy and we've got to come humbly. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And Father, thank you for being holy, holy, holy. Thank you, Lord, for not giving up on us. Thank you for still working in our lives after all of these years. You remain faithful. 
Father, I pray that you would help us every day to approach you with holiness and humbleness in our lives. And we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.